0: Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. Come on, give him some praise. Come on. Hey, I, I want us also to give some praise for what God has done. Last night, Celebrate Recovery celebrated 20 years. Of celebrating and helping people get free from hurts, habits, and hangups. Buddy and Alicia Davis, give them some love for all their... Uh, I I've had I tell you, you, stay with the church long enough, you you get to see some amazing things. I just want to encourage you if you're new, put your roots down, and uh, even when it gets a little shaky, keep your roots down because because you begin to see the stories and you begin to know the journey and and you 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 hear and you watch and I've had a front row seat um, the whole ride. I've sat in the front seat with Buddy and Alicia. And uh, we've had, seen so many victories, cried a lot of tears, um, cussed a lot under our breath. Um, <laughs> do preachers do that? They're not supposed to. <laughs> but... Um, when you're digging and you're scraping in the, when you're down in the dirt with people, it gets really hard. It gets really messy and your, your fingers get all jacked up and you get bloody yourself. And, um, but, it's, but Buddy and Alicia would, would be the first to tell you that it's worth it. It's just worth it to get down in the dirt with people and help them, to help them. Thank you guys. Thank you for serving. Man, such a great example. Well, keep standing. We're going to be in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And I mentioned it uh, before the service began. We are in, we're going into Lent season, so we're starting a new Lent series. starts, um, I, I love this season that we're going into. It starts Wednesday. Lent, if you're new to church and you're like, I don't even know what that is, it is the 40 days leading up to Easter. Don't get hung up. It's actually 46 days. But there's six days where we don't fast, we come and we worship. The Sundays are where we come and worship together, so they don't count those in that. But it's the 40 days, and, and, and it's using Jesus as the example when he was in the wilderness and fasted and prayed before he began his ministry. And so we have this Lent season that we're going into, and we, uh, we believe that this is supposed to be a focused time of prayer. And never was that more, made more clear to me than this past week when I started hearing the rumblings that were coming out of Asbury University. Now, some of y'all need to Google that, not now, but after the service, because there is a revival that is happening in Kentucky amongst students. Uh, and these students just started gathering. And here's the thing I love about this story. It started with one student. I don't know who the guy is. One young man. One young man who stayed after chapel. After church, some of y'all jetting out here during communion, you're just gone. I gotta get out of here before the cars get out of the parking lot. This young man was like, I, I can't leave. I can't leave. Can you imagine that? Like The service is over, we've dismissed you, and you're like, I can't leave. That's what happened to this young man, and he, he stayed and some things happened, and because of this one act of faith, this one young man more and more students started pouring in and pouring in and pouring in and now it has been going on for like two weeks now and a move of the Holy Spirit is happening and now it's moving out to other universities all across the country led by Gen Z. Not by a bunch of old people. By some of y'all don't, Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about here. Gen Z, let me pull back the curtain a little bit because I live in the church world. Gen Z, if you're in Gen Z, The church has written you off, has said, you know what? They don't care about God. They don't care about the church. They've gone the way of the world. We've lost that generation. And God's like, are you kidding me? That's the generation I'm going to use to bring about revival in my church. I'm going to use that generation. That the the young will lead the old. So if you're a member of Gen Z, look out because the fire of God wants to fall on you so you can lead us. Some of y'all are like, some of your parents are looking going, he's talking to you because I am not Gen Z anymore. I'm like a baby boomer. So I'm out. You just got to do it. Here's the thing. You can't make it happen. You can't manufacture it. The Holy Spirit, this... It's like the day of Pentecost, when the fire fell on the day of Pentecost. I mean, they, 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 they weren't like trying to manufacture something. We can't manufacture it here. It just happened. And that's the way the Holy Spirit moves. And what I love is it happened because of one man, one young man. And in and this story that we're going to read today, it was one woman who led a revival of her community. One woman... Her life radically altered and an entire city came to know Jesus because of this one woman. We're going to look at this story. So I I, I am so jacked up right now, excited in a good way about the season we are in. We've been talking about moving from the Valley of Dry Bones to the season of new beginnings, and, and we have been praying for over a decade. I, I can't tell you. I was up the other night. It's like 1230, and I'm mesmerized watching these young people because I'm like, oh, man, I've been praying. I've been hoping for this. I want to see it in my lifetime. I want to see it, and and I've been my the staff will tell you I've been kind of crazy. Laura will tell you this, I've been kind of crazy. I've been studying the Jesus movement. Now, although I got a lot of white hair, I'm not old enough. To remember, I was a little boy when the Jesus movement was happening. But uh, Evelyn Larson remembers the Jesus movement and and people coming off the streets out of addiction and getting on fire for Jesus and not wearing shoes and smelling and not bathing. And Aunt Mary, you remember that as well. Like they're coming into the church and the church's like, "What's all these people coming in here? What is this?" And this guy named Chuck Smith said, "Let them in. Let them in. Let them in." And, I, and there's just something, and, and, I, I, and here's the thing. I, I'm just going gonna, gonna to step off for just a second here because you all need to know this. You need to understand where we are at in history. And I'm okay. So we get so caught up in the political division and, uh, and all the racial issues and all the hatred and anger and things that are going on and we get all bent up and we get all angry about it. But can I tell you, I've been getting excited about it. The reason I've been getting excited is because we have been reliving the 60s. We've been reliving the 60s. It was worse in the 60s. And and there was a declaration that came out on Time Magazine that said, God is dead. And what they have been saying in the last few years—I don't know if you've been seeing it—you got to watch something other than Fox News, otherwise you ain't gonna see it. But they've been declaring the church is dead. Have you seen any of this? They've been talking about the church is dead, and I'm like, oh, that is a really good place to be, because our God specializes in raising dead things to life. Our, our whole, whole, our whole faith is built around somebody that they declared dead. And then a revival happened as he came up out of that grave. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we are in a season and don't miss this wave of revival that is coming. This is a thing that I just hate. So just, just cause I was a kid in the seventies and I watched in our church, what it did as a little boy. And these people wearing really cool clothes, and I was like, "Can I dress like that instead of this tie you have me wearing? I dress like that guy. That's really cool." I fell in love with Jesus Rock. Yeah, I mean, I just—it's just, it's a whole other thing. Anyway, so I, but I, but I watched this wave of revival come in, but um, but people missed it too. People missed it if you don't press into God, if you don't abide in Christ, if you don't, if you don't get locked in tight to his church, you, you, you can miss it. And the fire of God, just what, where did it go? God wants to bring revival in your soul. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them God wants to bring revival to you. God wants to bring revival to you. So during this Lent season, we're going to have this this hyper focus. Uh, I mean, because it's, it's just it's just crazy. And then, so so that so, let me back up here. So so. So this is happening at Asbury University right now. We're in the middle of praying for new beginnings in, in our church and believing six months ago we were praying that this was going to be a season of new beginnings. That's no mistake. And then the guy, by the way, the guy who was at the center of the Jesus movement, his name's Greg Laurie. He's a pastor in California. He, he's got a movie and about the Jesus movement that just came out. I'm telling you, this is all aligned. God is doing something that none of us could ever manufacture. And so it is coming. The move of God is here, and he wants to light you on fire. So during the Lent season, we're going to be hyper-focused on prayer and fasting. Um, some of y'all are like, even more so than we are already. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be doing um, Ash Wednesday. So Ash Wednesday will be here, 630 We'll have child care for that. Friday, men's prayer at 6.30, women's prayer at noon. We're gonna do that every Friday during the Lent season. And then we're also doing, everybody grab this card off your seat. It's the Lent Pentecost fast, Lent Pentecost fast. So we as a church are gonna do what we're calling, we're calling this a Lent Pentecost fast. This is not, by the way, something you see in church history. This is something that on my prayer retreat, let me tell you how this came about. I was on my prayer retreat I'm I am i am fearing I'm so I'm, I'm gonna get way behind here, but I gotta just get some of this out of me. Um, so on my prayer retreat, I was reading in the book of Acts about the day of Pentecost and when the fire came and fell, and how 120 believers, if you're new to church, let me back up here. Jesus has died, he's resurrected, he's ascended to heaven, and now there's about 120 believers who are gathered in this room there near Jerusalem. And And there's 120 of them. And I'm looking and there's 120 of them. And and I don't know what resonated with me, but then I began to study Lent and I realized there are 120 meals in Lent. Oh, there's something there, God. So what if we did a Lent Pentecost fast? What if we could get, some of you are like, you're gonna try to get us to fast 120 meals? He's gone crazy. Get the microphone out of his hand right now. No, I'm not asking that. All I'm asking is this. What if 120 people said, I'll take one meal? I'll take one meal. And here's my challenge to you. If you've never fasted before, you should be the first. Why do I say that? Because you need to lead us. We need the unsuspecting to lead us. You don't need me to lead you. We need the unsuspecting person, the one that nobody thinks about, the one that everybody writes off, the one that nobody thinks. That we're going to read about John here. John is a guy in scripture who was out fishing in a boat. He went on to change the world. Nobody thought he was going to be a world changer. This woman that we're going to read about, nobody expected her to do anything, but she changed an entire village. God wants to use you. Go first. So here's what we want you to do. On this card, all you got to do is just circle either breakfast, lunch or dinner. I'll do the breakfast, I'll do lunch or I'll do dinner. Put your day of preference down there, Monday through Saturday, whichever day that is. Your name, your information, we're gonna contact you. We're gonna start Wednesday, so we need Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this week covered. I'm gonna be praying for you. Our prayer team's gonna be praying for you and praying with you, but just take one meal. One meal. We need 120 people to do that, so I hope you'll be all in on that. Okay, now, should pray and go home on that, but we're not going to. We gotta get into the scriptures. So, John chapter 4. This series during the Lent season, we're calling The Way of Jesus. The Way of Jesus. Following Jesus is not a one-time experience. It's not that hey, you check the box, fill out the card, raise your hand, pray the prayer, praise God. We, if you've done that, man, what he has done. But it's more than that, it is a way of life. So during this series, we're gonna be looking at Jesus' most famous sermon Many of you are familiar with it, but if you're new to church, it's it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a, it's an incredible sermon. And we're gonna look at the very first part of that that many of you know as the Beatitudes. Maybe you've never heard that before, but the very first part of that sermon that he preached on that hillside was called the Beatitudes. And we're gonna look at each one of those they are gonna show us the way of Jesus. And today we're looking at the first one from Matthew 5, 3. And so I want us to say Matthew 5, 3 together. Can we say this together? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed when you're poor in spirit? What does that mean to be poor in spirit? Let's go now to John chapter 4. Again, if you're new to the scriptures, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And Jesus has not revealed that he is the Son of God and He's traveling, he's tired, and they have to go through Samaria. What's important here that you gotta know about this story is the Jews and the Samaritans, as you'll see, they don't get along, they don't like each other. The Jews look down on the Samaritans. And and they end up at this little village. The disciples go off and Jesus is there by himself. And this woman comes to draw water and Jesus starts talking to her. He's not supposed to be talking to her because he's a Jew, but not only is he a Jew, but he's a man. He's not supposed to talk to a woman. He doesn't know. And not only that, but he's a rabbi. He's a holy man. He's just doing everything wrong. (laughs) That's our Jesus right there, huh? He just doesn't do it the way you think he's supposed to do it. Your miracle is not gonna come the way you think he's supposed to do it. Amen? some of you are like, amen. <laughs> he just doesn't do, like, he brings revival at a tiny little Methodist university in Kentucky from some unassuming Gen X boy who's just hanging out after chapel. And now he's looking around going, whoa. What are y'all doing here? Louie Giglio's here. <laughs> because of me, Louie Giglio's here. Does he want to meet me? Okay, so... Here he is, but let's go to verse um, six. Jacob's well was there. Jesus tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Why would Jesus get tired? He's the son of God, he's the Messiah. He's He's God in flesh. It's because he's in flesh, he's human. The human, he, he, he allowed himself to have limitations. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Nah, that's not what you do. He was alone because the disciples had gone into the village and the woman was surprised because Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus said, if you only knew, if you only knew, let those words resonate with you, if if you only knew. I don't know what you need, I don't know what you're hoping for, I don't know what the miracle is, Yo, if you only knew. I don't know why you came to church today, but if you only you only knew the person that you are worshiping today, if you only knew. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask, and I'd give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. It swells deep, where are you gonna get this living water? Besides, and he goes, she goes on and on. Go to verse 13. Jesus replies, hey, well, well. She, he just stops her. Anyone who drinks this water is gonna become thirsty again, But but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Father, in the moments that we have, would you be honored? Would you be glorified through your scriptures? Thank you that your presence is here and you are meeting with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, now you can be seated. So again, Matthew 5, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. This this idea of being poor in spirit, just so you know the context of what it means, it simply means to to lack strength or to lack resources. Anybody? Anybody? Lacking strength? Anybody lacking the resources? I, I like Eugene Peterson. He was a pastor who wrote the message translation, and he translated that verse this way. Listen to this. He said, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. I like that. You ever been at the end of your rope? I just I'm done. Last summer, Laura and I were out driving around town, we pull out onto memorial, and all of a sudden my truck just goes, it makes it starts making this weird noise. And I was like, oh man, that can't be good. So I just turned up the radio. And then I had all these pretty lights start flashing on my dashboard, and I was like, oh, look at all the pretty lights. Look at the light. Maybe that's a problem Um, because I'm highly mechanical, by the way, if you're new. I'm very, very good with cars. I mean, Curtis comes to me for advice on how to work on vehicles. He's always calling me. There's Curtis again asking me how to do a front-end alignment, you know. um, Something about a distributor uh, that I believe is like an alternator that ties to the hubcap. I believe, but I could be off a little bit on I know nothing, nothing. So I pull over and then I pop the hood and, you know, if you don't know anything about I look, I pop the hood and I'm like, yep, it's an engine. You know what I mean? Amen. Like when I bought this truck, the guy goes, don't you want to look at the engine? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I want to look at that engine. Pop that bad boy. Whoa, look at that sucker. Yeah, and he starts reeling off all these numbers and names and things that I sounded like something from France and I didn't know any of the things. Anyway, so I'm looking at I'm looking at it and there's this little uh, valve thing and, uh, and it's open and it's spewing some stuff out of it. And I'm like, that can't be good. I don't know anything about cars, but that can't be good. So I, I got a guy. Anybody got a guy? I got a guy. Um, and so I FaceTime my, my buddy who's a mechanic and, and I said, hey, what is this? And he goes, turn your truck off now and we'll come get it. So he did. He came and got it. And Laura and I found a, our way home and so we, we get home, and I, I walk into the house, and I go, and I step into a puddle of water, and I look up, and our air conditioning unit is going, tink, tink, tink. You gotta be kidding me. So I call another buddy that I got, because I know a guy, Danny Hamilton, Hamilton Heat and Air, that's who I got. And I look at and Danny said, shut your air off right now. <laughs> this is the middle of July, people. I'm like, come on, Danny. He goes, shut it off right now. Good news is my mechanic called me. said, your truck's good. Come pick it up. So we went and picked it up. But the bad news was we had to sleep that night in the sweltering heat upstairs, Oklahoma heat in July, no air. Miserable. Get up the next day. I'm like, fine, made it through the night. We're good. I get in my truck to leave. I start pulling out of the driveway. We live in a new house. I'm not used to the driveway. We have an in-ground sprinkler system. Never had one of those before. I guess they have these little pop-up thingies, you know, that pop up out of the ground and swirl the water around. Didn't know that. Bam, popped it with my truck. Now I've got a fountain in my front yard. All the kids in the neighborhood are like, wee, wee, got their swim trunks on. I'm like, get out of my yard. And I just, I just sat there in my truck, I'm done, enough, I'm, 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 I'm done. I mean, have you ever been at the end of your rope? Maybe right now you're at the end of your rope with, with your kids. I mean, you tried everything. And they're just, they're not responding, they're not listening, they're going, they're doing the things you didn't want them to do, and they, they don't do what, you know, I, I'm doing all the techniques, I've done all the, what they tell me to do, I watch this, and it's still not, maybe it's, maybe it's not the kids, maybe it's your parents, young and old alike, you know, they, you got your parents, and you, you, and, and, and you just said, contention is there, and the conflict, and you're like, I thought it would be better as we got a little bit older, and it's not, it's just getting worse, and I don't know, and I'm and, and, and I'm, I'm done. Maybe maybe it's in maybe it's in uh, your your marriage. Last week, Laura and I talked about marriage. Didn't Laura do just a phenomenal job? Give her some love. She's so good. Last week. But maybe you, you you left here and you're like, yeah, we're we're doing this. We're gonna we're gonna work on our relationship together. And maybe this was the worst week of your marriage. Maybe you're at the end of your rope with, with work. Like you're sitting here on a Sunday, but, but you're not thinking about Jesus. You're thinking about tomorrow and, and your boss and the people that you work with. And you're just like, I am... <laughs> I don't even I don't want to go in. Maybe it's school. You don't want to step onto that campus for whatever reason that you don't want to step onto that campus. Maybe maybe it's an addiction or a habit that you have and and you thought by now celebrate recovery 20 years. Well, congratulations. Celebrate recovery. Good for them. But I'm not celebrating cuz I keep this cycle won't break. And I've done everything, I've taken every chip, I've taken every class, I've taken communion every week, I've done it all, I'm in a core group, I'm reading scripture, and and I'm at the end of my rope. Or maybe it's a dream, maybe you got a dream, something you've been believing God for, yeah man, God's going to bring me into this new beginning, I can see it, but it's just not happening, Where are you at the end of your rope? Here in John chapter 4, this woman is at the end of her rope. What I didn't tell you, and some of you know in this story, if you were to read later in the story, she's, she's had five husbands, and the guy that she's with isn't even her husband, do you get the picture there? She tries once, it doesn't work. I'll try it again. She tries it again. She's trying and she's just getting desperate. I'll take anybody. He's got breath. He can take care of me. I'll, I'll go out with him. Okay, we'll get married. Finally, she's just at this place where she's just like, forget it. I'm not marrying this guy. I know how this story ends. So this is just as good as it's gonna get. She's at the end of her rope and and they have this conversation, Jesus and this woman, and and look at verse 10 and Jesus says this, if you only knew. I want you to write that down. If if you only knew. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you you would ask me and, and I would give you what? I'd give you living water. I mean, think about this. This woman, she's tired. She's worn down. She's she's lost hope. She's she's just like going through the motions. She's like she's got her bucket and she's filling it up at the well, and then she's going home and then she's just doing whatever she's gotta do at home, feeding the animals, cooking meals, cleaning, whatever it is that she's gotta do, go to work and all that, and then she heads back to the well, fills up the bucket, goes back home, guy shows up that she's living with, hey, how are you? You know, they watch a little Netflix and then they go to bed, get up, and this is her life, and she's just like going through the motions. This is as good as life is gonna get for her. She's she's really she's zoned out. She's zoned out because she she doesn't even recognize whose presence that she's in. She doesn't even know that she's in the presence of the very person that can radically alter her destiny. She has no idea. Why? Because she's zoned out. You ever zoned out on somebody? You know, like, you ever have somebody talking to you and then you're like, you're just, you're gone? No man has ever experienced this, but we've experienced this with our wives, haven't we, men? Our wives z- zoning out on us all the time. You ladies, you just can't keep focused, you know? <laughs> I mean, Laura, like I'll come home and Laura's like, so the, um, oh, the cat got out today. And I'm like, oh, really zoned out cat. I'm going to hear a cat story. I don't want to hear a cat story. So, So then I'm like trying to pretend like I'm listening. You ever done that one you're like but you're not really listening and she knows i'm not listening she's like yeah he got out and he went out in the back and i couldn't track him down and i saw him running across the field and she's looking at me and i'm like uh-huh yeah uh uh-huh. she knows i'm not listening yeah and then aliens came down yeah they shot something in him took him up into this abyss of a black hole like your head and i'm like wait what about my head wait what you know, sometimes you just zone out on people, and you're just trying to. This, but it, but have you ever been so overwhelmed and, and and upside down about a situation that 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 you just zoned out in life, like you're just kind of going through the motions? People are talking, but you, but you don't hear words. You're 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 in the room, but you're not really present because. Whatever it is has captivated you and and, it, and it's owned your, your thought life. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're tired, you're worn out, and there's there you feel like there's no hope. I, can I tell you this? God is present in your situation, even when you don't know it. God is with you. You are not alone. Even when you feel like, even when you don't recognize his presence, he says, I am here. I am with you. Jesus Jesus is saying this to you, if you only knew. If you only knew. Turn to somebody and tell them, if you only knew. If you only knew. Jesus says, if you only knew the, the gift that I have for you. Jesus in, in Matthew 7, 11, in a, another conversation, he says this. If, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father say this with me, what? Give good gifts to those who ask him. If you only knew that you are a child of the most high God if you only knew that you were loved dearly by your Father, if you, if you only knew that he sees you, he watches over you, if you only knew how much he cares, like if, you only, if you only knew that as his child you are an heir to these promises, These promises are not for ancient people, but he says, no, you are my child and I love you if you only knew. And then Jesus says this, if you only knew who you were speaking to, think about your prayer life. Where are you at in your, in your prayer life? We're getting ready to go into this Lent season and fair, prayer and fasting, and I know when you think, man, oh my goodness, I don't know, I don't really, <laughs> pray and fast, I, 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 don't, I don't even know how to just do regular prayer. I struggle with, can I tell you, I think this is one of the best definitions right here of prayer right here. This is what prayer is. It's speaking to God. It's having a conversation with God. This, Like this woman at the well, that's prayer, Okay. Take Jesus out of that picture, put him on the throne in heaven, it's prayer. But he's present in this story with this woman. They're having That's what it is with you and God. It's just simply speaking to him. Like during the Lent season, I, I, I always have a special prayer book that I like to get and read. And I found one by this ancient Russian monk from the 1800s. It's called The Art of Prayer. And I was like, wow, it's like written in King James language. I got it, and I was like, I don't understand a word of this. And, this, and I started reading about this guy, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this guy was a recluse. He, he shut himself off to pray for over a decade of his life. Only they, they would bring him bread in the morning, an egg at noon, and water. That's all he ate and drank for a decade. I was like, i got to get a different prayer book. I can't do this. But that's what you think. Oh, well, it's the Lent season, prayer and fasting. I must pray like a monk. No. No, prayer is simply speaking to God. And what I am so concerned about is I think prayer has lost its power in the capital C church. We we don't know who we're praying to. And if we knew it would drive us to our knees, if we only knew who we were speaking to, why do you think What is happening at Asbury University is happening because a group of Gen Zers suddenly have been awakened to who God is. They've been, listen, I I don't know if you've ever gone to a Christian university. I didn't go to, I went one semester to Old Roberts University and I flunked out. But that's a story for another day. $12,000 mistake. To go to chapel can i tell you that when i went to chapel i wasn't like oh i'm fired up oral roberts hallelujah i'm gonna go to chapel yes lord Woo! rain the fire down on me no i was 18 years old people i was like how much longer is chapel gonna be going on because i gotta get out of here and i'm just telling you like so for so many it's like, like that but but they suddenly because nobody's ever come to church like that on a sunday have you Don't be looking at anybody. Smile. You're like, (laughs) if you, you know, if you, if you only knew whose presence you were in, you, 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 you wouldn't miss. There would be nothing that would keep you from this house. I've seen people come here. Ain't got no business being here on a Sunday. They're just crawling in here. I've heard stories this morning. I've heard stories this week of people, and I'm looking in the seats. I'm like, what are you doing here? You think, are they contagious? No, they're not contagious. But they're one step away from the hospital. They should be home, probably resting and staying in bed. But they're like, You ain't gonna deny me from being in the house of God. Why are they in the house of God? Because they know whose presence they are in. Because they know the miracle power that is in this place. And I, I think if we only knew who we were speaking to, our prayers would be so different. I was in Ethiopia and uh, training a bunch of pastors last year. Almost everybody knows that, but if you're new, we have some churches in Ethiopia, and so I was training the pastors there. And on a break, we were at a hotel, and on a break, we were out in this courtyard, very public place, and I was talking to one of the pastors, and I just said, hey, can I, can I pray for you? And he, he just stopped, and he said, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, please, please. And he gets down on his knees, and he puts his face to the ground. And, and, and I'm standing here thinking, this guy knows a God I don't know. I don't know God in the way that he knows God. But he knew And Jesus says, if you only knew, it would radically change your prayer life. It would radically change if if you only knew how powerful the one is that you're praying to. The one who spoke creation into existence, didn't wave a finger, didn't move a hand, didn't even get up off his throne. He spoke creation into existence. Like, is that the Savior you know? Is that the person you, like, if you only, this is the one who calmed the raging sea. Stood up in the boat, a bunch of disciples, freaking out, and he said, hey, knock it off. And the water went calm. This is is the God who rolled the stone aside. This is the one who is on the throne sitting next to the right hand of the Father. Like, is this the God that you know? If you only knew. Oh, if you only knew it would radically change how you approach him. This woman didn't know, so Jesus is like I'll just going to tell you. Look look at verse 26. Jesus said I am the Messiah. He says, what is he saying in that moment when he says he's the Messiah? He's saying, I'm the son of the living God. I am the name above all names. And like every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Why? Because why will every knee bow? and every, Is every knee right now bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord right now? No, because they, we don't know who he is. But those who know are already there. Jesus is this idea here is talking about this idea of one day when Jesus returns, everybody's going to be like, whoa, that's who you are? Boom, face plant. You know who I want to be? I want to be that Ethiopian pastor that ain't waiting for Jesus to come back, that I already know whose presence I'm in, and I know that, oh, if I submit myself, humble myself, he will rain down power on me. If you only knew. This is our God. This is the power that's available to us. And here's, here's, here's what we do. We, we, we get our bucket and we go, okay, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know who he is. And, and so we come over to, to, the, to, to, to the living water and, and we let down our bucket. But, but come on, somebody. Don't, don't we get impatient and then we just bring the bucket back up? And you look at the bucket and you go, There ain't much there. See, so I'll, I'll try it again. I'll go to church again and I let down the bucket and then, and then you raise it. There's, I'm going to read the scriptures and you kind of let it down, but you let it back up and then, Oh, there's a little bit there. And so then you go, I'm going to take a sip on Jesus. And you just take a nice little sip on Jesus. And you wonder why you're still thirsty. You wonder why. The living water is not changing and radically altering your life. It's because you gotta let the bucket all the way down in Him. You gotta let it all the way down. You gotta let yourself go down into the depths of Christ. You you've got to fully abide in Him. That's where the living water is. If you are not fully abiding, and by the way, that's not church attendance check group, check, read my Bible, check, got my kids in Christian school, check. That's not what that is. It's not a checklist. It's about, no, are you fully reliant? Are you fully abiding? Are you fully in love with Jesus and putting yourself down into the depths? Because when you put yourself down into the depths, that's when the living water begins to quench your soul. But this woman, she's she's not she's not got the living water. No, no, no. She's she's a, she's over here at this well, <laughs> and at this well, literally the well that she is going down and getting water at. It's good. She's got the water, but guess what? She's got to always come back to this well, right? Come back, got to dip it in there. Go more. Then the well's gonna come back. Get more water every day. I got to go back to this well. And I and listen, this is what this this is this is the human. This is the human uh, distinction. (laughs) This is who we are. We're we're going to wells that can't satisfy. Jesus is over here saying, come to me, the living water, but we're over here going, yeah, but if I could just get that job, if I could just get that job, then, oh, then everything's going to be okay. But how many of you have gotten that job and everything isn't okay? If I, you know what, if I can just get somebody in my life, if I can just get somebody special in my life, but how many of you got that special person in your life, but yet there's still something that's missing. Man, if I, could just, if I could just make more money, if I could just get, you know, that's where the game is right there. You just got to make, make more money. You know, I'm going to change jobs change jobs. I was talking to a guy this past week, and he was interviewing for a job. I won't even tell you what it is because then he doesn't go to core church, but if he was listening to the podcast, he'd know I'm calling him out. But he was just going for the goofiest job. I'm like, you're going to do what? I'm like, why, you, why would you do that? That's not even who you are. He's like, they pay more money. That is not a motive right there, people. Because then what's going to happen is you're going to dip it down. You're going to fill your bucket full of money. woo And guess what's going to happen? All that money going to go out of that bucket, and you got to fill it again. Over and over again, we dip it down. If I get the right house, if I just get the right car, and, and on and on it goes. And it never satisfies. Jesus said this in verse 13 to this woman. Anyone... Who drinks this water is gonna become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give, say it with me, What? They will never be thirsty again. Turn to somebody and tell them, if you only knew, if you, if you only knew, never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Last year, Laura and I went to Hot Springs, Arkansas and went for a little trip. And uh, like i are going to tell you this, don't, don't waste your time. Hot Springs ain't as hot as it used to be. It's a little sketchy now. It should be called Sketchy Springs. Um, if you're from that area, I apologize. Um, but Arkansas jokes when you're in Oklahoma are just easy. They're just low-hanging fruit, people. But uh, So we go to Hot Springs, and what's fascinating there, if you don't know the history of Hot Springs, they have all these bathhouses, and they constructed them in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and it was before um, you know, the medicines that we have today were not available that we have today, and so people would travel from all over the country to come to these Hot Springs because it would provide healing for their body. I mean if, if they if many poly, uh, polio victims would come and those who were uh, afflicted with uh, chronic pain they would come to the springs and it, and it would help to heal their ailments people with arthritis would come people with, with skin issues and things they would come to the springs and they would and they would receive healing and the, are you getting the picture here this is who Jesus is Jesus is the bubbling spring The bubbling spring, a spring that that this one runs dry, a spring never, ever runs dry. You can go back to it over and over. You can't go to Jesus too many times. He's the bubbling spring. He is the, the living water, and what he wants to do is heal you. Whatever's ailing you, he wants to heal your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, your spirit. What is it that's ailing you today? He is the bubbling spring. He is the living water. Amen? Amen. If you only knew, man, if if we only knew who we were speaking to, he, he, he would give us living water. I, verse eleven is just who we are. This is who we are. She says, "But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this well—it's it's deep. Where where would you where would you get this living water? You, you ever you ever look at your you ever look at your rope and your bucket, and and and, and go really like this is what I have to work with, God." I mean, this isn't going to work. How's how's God going to do anything with it? There, there, there's no way anything's going to happen with this. You, you, you ever you ever get so desperate that, that you'll try anything? Anybody, you know, I mean, you like you're, you'll just try anything to ease the pain, make it change, do something different. Laura has been dealing with this chronic cough, uh, just constant. over, and she's been to doctors and different medicines and breathing treatments and on and on and it's just been horrible and she just can't stop coughing and I would love to tell you that in the middle of the night I'm like it's okay baby (laughs) but at 1 30 in the morning when you hear (coughs) you just kind (coughs) of like this and you get enough of the (coughs) just start to drift back off just start to pull that blanket back over (coughs) And I, I, you know, I feel horrible because I should be compassionate and merciful, but in that moment, I'm like, I'm going to kill her. And I'm like, and then I'm confessing right in the middle of God, forgive me. Forgive me. That's one of your commandments. I shouldn't want to do that. She's sick. She's sick, Brad. I know, but I just, I'm driving me nuts. It's driving me crazy. And so... So the next morning, this has been going on for a long time, one, mo- one time it was just all night, and so the next day I got up and I was like, I- I'm going to Dr. Google. <laughs> Come on now, have we all been to Dr. Google when you get desperate? And, and I found this guy, and he said, I'm not kidding you, he said, put onions on your feet. And I was like, well, we tried everything else cutting up the onions and so Laura's like sure I'll give it a shot she takes onions puts them in her socks put them on puts them on sleeps through the entire night do you think I slept with the smell of onions all night like I'm like whoa what is that and then I'm crying all night and I'm like this is not a move of the spirit but you get desperate Sometimes the well is just really deep. And when it's deep, you're, you're, you're going to get desperate. The truth is, you'll, 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 you'll try anything. You're like, oh, man, I'll just, you know what I need is I need, a, I need a different bucket. That's what I need, a different bucket, a different rope. I, I, you know what I need? I need a bigger bucket. I need a, I need a longer rope. No, 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 I need a, I need a shorter rope. You, no, no, you know what I need? I need a different bucket rope strategy. Just to have the right strategy. And and none of those things are working. And meanwhile, Jesus is is sitting by the well. (laughs) And he's just watching us as we strive and we toil and we stress. And he just says, "If, if you only knew. If you only knew, I think what we've got to do is we just got to put down that bucket and put down that rope. And we got to begin to move towards Jesus, like move towards the, the living water. As Eugene Peterson so eloquently said, you, if you're at the end of your rope, let go of the rope. Just let it go. And then look to Jesus. The New Living Translation translates the Beatitude from Matthew 5:3 this way. It says, God blesses those who are poor. And what say this with me? They what? Realize their need for Him. They realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This woman suddenly realized her need for God, and what did she get in return? she received the kingdom. She received living water. Now let that just resonate because God is offering you and me the kingdom of heaven. Now if that causes you pause like, oh wait, now come on, the kingdom of heaven, I don't know, I don't think about that. Can I tell you this? Then you don't know your God. You don't know your God. Because your God says, no, 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 no. God says, you are my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. You are an heir to the kingdom. Everything that is mine, I want to give to you in abundance. If you only knew who you were speaking to, you would ask, and he would give you living water. We hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you. Yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at CORE Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.